Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators. They're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them and they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. Today we have Calvin Lawrence with us and I am so excited. Um, Calvin is a motivational speaker, but he is just a mentor and a motivator in general. He has connected with me through LinkedIn before we even met on Zoom and had a conversation. He was already reaching out and just motivating me on a daily basis. Um, And I just feel like this is a great person to have by your side. So I'm so excited to have him here. Um, Calvin is not only a motivational speaker, but he uh, is a founder and consultant of Calvin Lawrence Speaks, LLC. He was a principal and school director and professor and director. So lots of experience in the educational world. He has his doctorate in education. So I know we're going to learn a lot from Calvin today. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Jackie. I appreciate you inviting me. I'm very honored because I know you don't just pick anybody right off the street. So I feel like I'm, I feel like I maybe arrived now that I'm on the Jackie uh, Scully show. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> um, what was, was there a moment or something that was an, a life experience that made you think about, I think I want to do something in education? Well, I'll tell you, I don't know that there was one moment, but I know that there were lots of people and you mentioned mentors and mentoring and and I try to do my best because I had such great mentors when I came up. I mean, maybe going way back, if I go way back, I go all the way back to fourth grade, but I can't go that far back because I don't, I know I wasn't sure about doing this thing or doing anything in education back then. I, just the light bulb did come on about fourth grade because I had an outstanding teacher, one who I thought was the best teacher I ever, I've ever had, college or whatever. And so, uh, but it was later in life, I guess, maybe around high school and and even through college the first time that I felt like this is maybe where I need to be. Now I've had some time since that time that make me think, oh, what have I got myself into, right? (laughs) But uh, back then it was like, I had some outstanding people who uh, shared so much of themselves, their time, their resources, uh, their knowledge, and they wanted to make me better and inspired me. And I feel like that's maybe when I just decided, hey, this is what I need to do. That's awesome. And I always think it always, it goes back to an elementary school teacher. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, whenever I've had these conversations, I mean, and I give it up to the elementary school teacher. Yes. That is a yes. hard job. Yes, it's a hard I job. I originally was going to be a an elementary school teacher. That was my first track. And I'm like, nope. I took a few classes. I'm like, wait, say what? You, you mean I have to be an expert in yes. all these core subjects, yes. K through fifth grade? Yeah. Oh, no, right. no, there's no right. way. I was like, right. I can't, it, I don't give me a math class. Right. And it's even tougher now. Yeah. You, you have gone through the period when we've done standardized testing and all that. But back when I started, 
And when I first started, and, and maybe back even before when I was a student, uh, teachers had this free reign to teach how they needed to teach. Yeah. And they still had to be experts at all, all these fields, but they didn't have the pressure of the test and the pressure of the state and the pressure of all this other stuff. And so they really could teach. And I think maybe that was why part of the reason why Dora Harris, my my fourth grade teacher, because I remember, I remember my worst teacher. I remember my best teacher, <laughs> the best. <laughs> and I won't call the other lady out on the carpet, but uh, she taught so well and did so mm -hmm. many things and went beyond whatever. I mean, whatever they constrict, constricted during that time period. I know she went above and beyond the call of duty. And later she became a principal because I mm -hmm. remember uh, hearing about her. And then she said something to my mom later about me that, oh yeah, I thought, I thought, I knew he was going to be okay. And, yeah. but she was the one who inspired me. And uh, you were right. Uh, elementary is yeah. tough. I know middle school is tough because I did all three levels, but when you do everything for everything, and then you got to do the other little things too, that, that, that elementary kids need. Yeah. It's tough. Yes. Cause it's also just like how to be a person, right? Like yes. just life yeah. skills. Yeah. Um, right. And whenever I've been asked that question too, I always go back to my sixth grade teacher. Cause at the time, sixth grade was still part of elementary school. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. This is back in the day when they had junior high. When, now when I say junior high, no one knows what I'm talking about. Um, and I tell them like, I went to junior high seven, eight, nine. So I didn't start high school till 10th grade. They're like, what? Oh, uh -huh. wow. wow. Yeah. I'm like a dinosaur, yeah. right? Um, no, you, you. <laughs> but my sixth grade teacher was my language arts teacher. And he also was like the head of all the musicals in the high school. So he was very theatric and like mm -hmm. always put on these like, big lessons and our projects were always like do a role play and act out something it was very interactive and he was just like so happy like he just exuded joy and his name was um Mr. Ed Edwards that was his full name Edwards Edwards and uh -huh. wow he just and he brought something in you he brought it out of you like I was super shy and we had to do these presentations like in sixth grade where you're like, <laughs> I got to talk for 10 minutes in front of the class. What are you talking about? And you did it. And you also yeah. did it because I'm like, I want to impress him. Yes. Like, it was like, yeah. I yeah. don't really care about yeah. the other students in the yeah. class. Yeah. yeah. I want to impress him. Yeah. And I remember uh, one of the presentations is so like, why did, how did I pick this? <laughs> I picked Leonardo da Vinci. So I had to dress up like Leonardo da Vinci and my wow. dad helped me like make a Mona Lisa and like write backwards <laughs> in my journal. And he like loved it. Like the teacher was like, this is so cool. It's so different. Like I would never expect you to pick Leonardo da Vinci as a sixth grader. Um, and I go back to, it's like, I can, yeah. it's a flashbulb memory. I can go back and I'm like, I'm in his yeah. classroom. You How can go back. You that? can go back. You can go back. Uh, it's funny. I'll give you a quick story. Quick, quick for me. Uh, fourth grade. So you said something. You said you did it. It wasn't because of those kids around you. It didn't make any difference. It was because of that guy. Yeah. And so I, we were in a, we had a spelling bee for the whole school. Well, I didn't know. I don't know that I was that great of a speller per se, but I was going to win that spelling bee for that teacher. And I mm -hmm. did. And it's like, that was like, it wasn't one of those breakthrough moments too. Cause it I didn't make a difference with any of my buddies. And I had buddies in the class, but the, I didn't care a hoot about them. It was like for Dora Harris, 
she's gonna her name's gonna be beside mine because that, that was how that thing was gonna be and I'm gonna mm. win it and I did I won the spelling bee that's awesome yeah and this is what you know people when they go into education they have this goal of like I want to inspire young people I want to show them their spark like I want right. them to feel like they could be anything you know right. that's a really right. joyful type right. of career to be in and that's why I went into right. it as well and so what were some of your any um stories or lessons that you not like lessons like that you taught but just like lessons from teaching or anything from your early experiences well I I, I guess like from early experiences the the best people were the ones that were the best relators so it's kind of like what you're saying about your favorite guy uh, they were just really good at relationship stuff. I just did a, a thing recently for a lady and uh, I had to write a whole paper and I didn't realize, it's funny how you said you go back and these stories, you're like, you're there. Mm -hmm. So I went back and I had to search my memory banks and I got to start writing some stuff down because my memory is starting to fade, Jackie, as you get older, mm -hmm. I'm 63, but I, I got to keep that memory. And I love this going back. And, and when I went back, I realized how important this young man, this, this gentleman was to me. He was a teacher. He was a coach. He was a mentor. And so I have a great story. So what he did was he, he was my, he was one of my football coaches. He, he, he inspired me to go out for a sport that I didn't really care for. And I didn't want to do, but I did it again because he asked me if mm -hmm. someone else had asked me, I would have probably said no, no, but it made me better all around it was like and then he did some things that um are above and beyond the call of duty again he he asked my parents if he could help take me to campuses college campuses to visit mm. and help me with that criteria because neither one of my parents had graduated from a four-year university yeah. he had he had a master's degree and just a great guy and he just recently passed but here's a story I'll throw this in because this is the uh, get a good one at the end. Uh, my my son got to meet him, which was like one of you know I have a some bucket moment moments. Mm -hmm. That was one of those that my son got to meet a guy who inspired and kind of helped to make me who I am. Yeah. And we took a picture together. I need to find that picture because it was it wasn't a, a a a Zoom camera deal, but we it was all of us together. And he was a big man, bigger than I was. He he was supposed to go to the NFL. Wow. Tell another story, but he wanted to teach. Mm. And so instead of going to play for the Dallas Cowboys, he decided teaching was his career path. Wow. And it was. He oh, and that's quick, awesome. Uh he uh eventually became a college professor when he left mm. the he left the uh field of education K-12, as uh, left as a principal, went into higher ed, got his doctorate, and then and so in a roundabout, one funny kind of way, it's kind of like I'm following his career path. Now, I wouldn't put myself at his level, mm. but uh, there are some things that I need to do in my life to inspire because of what he inspired in me. That's awesome. And then to have that moment with your son to say, like, yes. this is the person yes. that made me the man I am today. Yes. Really yeah, cool. I love those moments. Um, I often talk about uh, the ripple effect. And that's my theme for this season. And so this story you just shared is definitely like the ripple effect, right? Like how one thing leads to the next thing. 
Um, you have lots of background in education. So I don't know if there's something you want to share about being a principal or being a professor or anything that comes to mind. That's like a really good experience. I think often too, it's nice to get um, mm -hmm. when I have different educators on like the different roles or hats they wore and sharing experiences uh -huh. from that too. Well, I'll, I'll share maybe a couple, maybe one from K-12 and the other one from maybe higher ed. So okay. in the K-12 K piece, I was an assistant principal and I realized and, and probably was from earlier people, like I said, who had inspired me, but I realized how important it was to to get to know names and to and to have a deeper relationship with your students, even as an assistant principal, because you're not out, you're not in the classrooms, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have that one-on-one -on -one or one to 30 or whatever kind of connection. I had a one to 600 connection. This was a little middle school that I was, I say middle school, it was a sixth grade center. So they only okay. sixth grade. Perfect. So you got all just sixth graders, they're all at one level, they're in this safe space, trying to get ready to go to middle school and uh, that year, I realized as an assistant principal, I needed to know names. Now, it's easy to know names from the bad, the really bad kids, because yeah. they kind of pop up for some reason right. everywhere. <laughs> and then, of course, the top kids in the ladder, the ones that everybody is is talking about and right. get, are getting all the awards, they're at that level. But most of your kids are in this middle group. It's a it's an unknown kind of a hidden group. Some of them want to stay hidden for for yeah. whatever reasons, right? Yeah. But my deal was, because these the, the two extremes were easy. I was not gonna not forget those names that you know, you'll get a discipline report and somebody's on your in your room every week. But the kids that were kind of the unknown quantities, I, I made it and and this is this is important. Intentionally, I went about learning names. I had had taken a course about memorization mm -hmm. and how you do these memory links how you name a like a kid could be the name of my sister right so I'm not going to yeah. forget Janet because Janet's my mm -hmm. sister's name make or an association yeah yes a name association word association name and I still use this today when I go yeah. in and talk and when I when I, I'm in a restaurant I try to remember that person's name because people relate to you a lot stronger when you mm -hmm. call them by name in fact, my critical thing was in the classroom. When I was in classroom, you have to get the names as fast as you can. Oh, yeah. The sooner you can get the names, the sooner you get the responses that you really need to get them to learn to do things that you want them to do, right? Because you just can't say you, he, who. And right, even right. those of us who don't, 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 don't remember well, you can do their tricks and their, their ways mm -hmm. to cheat. Like the kids have the cheat code. So I got mm -hmm. my list and I'm I'm cheating because I got them in a seat and I got a seat right, assignment, right. but I got the name right. So learn those names, however you need to learn them. Well, that was one. And then when I, you know, let me go to higher ed real quick. So higher ed, uh, adult learners in, mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, I had some time with, with the undergrads, but most of my time in higher ed was spent at graduate level. So I okay. was working for adults. And I can remember a story about a guy who asked me, he had come out of corporate America, and he wanted to be a teacher. He had dropped a six-figure salary because he wow. knew in his head that there was something more to life. That's that's pretty mm -hmm. amazing there. So he asked me a question one time in, in the class, and I don't think he was trying to trying to trap me, but he asked a good question. And I had to think, but I hadn't, didn't have to think very long. He asked me, are leaders born or made? Mm -hmm. are, are leaders born or are they made? And I took about 10 seconds because I didn't want to give him just something off the cuff. 
but I wanted to give him some clarity. I didn't want to just kind of give him a PC answer. And what I said was, you know what? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I've seen people who I thought I have a story about a, uh, a classmate from high school who I thought was was 14 going on 44. <laughs> and then so I, and he was a leader. Yeah. Uh, uh, what I thought was a natural lead. Then I've seen other people who I did not ever think they would lead or be able to lead capably me. <laughs> and uh, over time, with a lot of support, with a lot of help, I think they became leaders and mm -hmm. um, successful leaders. And so I think it's a, a little bit of both, common both. You know, I could, I could name people and they would drop, pop out of the, you know, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, um, mm -hmm. Martin Luther King, uh, you, you know, you, the list goes on and you can name them and you feel like, well, they were natural leaders, right? But if somebody who grew up with them might say something mm -hmm. different, True. you never know. You, know, you no. never know. Yeah, we assume a lot of things about, well, that person was just born for that time. They really were. But sometimes it was, it was that they were modeled and crafted. And over mm -hmm. time, they became, for the time, they became that perfect leader for the, for the period that they were living in. Yeah. And I think like, that's a great response to that um, student because it is a little bit of both, but I also what came to mind when you're speaking is that the whole, um, if you don't use it, you lose it. So yeah. even if you have that natural instinct right. to want to lead, if you don't take opportunities to lead or you don't have people in your circle that are supporting you and backing right. you, then that is a talent or gift that can be lost. And can be lost. Yeah. you can have an internal gift and talent. Maybe that is dormant. Like when you're right. younger, like I was very introverted when I was younger. But then mm -hmm. if I think back to like my earliest years as like a little kid, I was actually uh -huh. very much a leader in like my neighborhood. Like I always wanted to like gather kids and like make these like fun adventures and plans. Like, so in a way I was like gathering and yes. leading, yeah. but yeah. then I got really introverted and quiet through, I went through a really awkward stage. Like a lot of people go through awkward stages in puberty. <laughs> Mine was like triple awkward. It was just like, what's going, what's going on here? I don't know who I am. I'm looking all funky. Um, it was right. not fun. So right. it took a while for me. To, that was dormant then. It took a while for me to come back around to like, oh, I do have some leadership skills, you know, right. obviously as a teacher, right. but in other ways. So it has to be fostered. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and I guess great leaders, great teachers, great educators, they do an awesome job of pulling it out of you. They see things in you that you don't see. A mentor who's a real good mentor is a great listener. They observe. They are a great observer. They watch, they listen, and then they kind of just say some things to just try to help you. They don't push you, but they help you on the right track. And so, yeah, yeah, it is. And And, and when you said that, there, the 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 travesty would be that someone has a leadership. I, I, when you said leadership like that and pulling it out of you, I, I think about you don't lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. I think about if you have a musical skill or gift, or you've been yeah. given that, and you don't use that talent, you really can lose that. I, and that went right straight to me because I had started playing piano, and my mom wanted me to continue to play, and then I stopped. Yeah, and yeah. I can still read the music, the notes. I know a, a trumpet clef from a bass, but it's like, yeah, I've lost that gift if I had the gift because I didn't use the gift. And mm. 
you want to continue to use it because you can lose it. Yeah. It's like the muscle memory. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another great piece of what you're sharing is these two stories of individuals that, well, one leaving something like corporate world, making a ton of money, Mm -hmm. one potentially could be an NFL football player making Mm -hmm. a ton of money. Right. And being at that level and they chose education. I think that's so inspirational because of right right now, these kind of stories are important to share because we're seeing so many teachers leaving the profession and many reasons why that are very just and valid, but there are people who do enter education when they have other grand opportunities Yes, and they want to give back to community. I still think it is a profession where people feel a calling to it. Yes. And we do need to take care of teachers better because it is a genuine calling to something to give Mm -hmm. and be something greater. And just because you're a giver, right. Mm -hmm. You're like this natural Mm -hmm. caregiver doesn't mean Mm -hmm. you just crap on those people. So it's like, you got to take care of the people who are taking care of our kids, you know, right. (laughs) Your most valuable possessions are your children. So you got to take care of those folks, right? Yeah. It's a special thing for people to say, I want to do this. I want to give back. And so that should be like, you put those people up here and you take care of them because they're doing so much good in the world. I love that. You know, and and you, when you say that, I think, you know, there was a time probably in, in this country, where we did put teachers and educators on a pedestal yeah. per se. We put them up there and we really had them up there. They were like, you know, they were esteemed in communities because yeah. they did the work that they do. And and we've come a long way from that. And we, we did. you know, if we can get back to doing some of that, yeah. I think it would be much more healthy for us that when students come in, they are probably a lot gonna be a lot more respectful. Parents yeah. will be a lot more respectful. Uh, yeah. administrators who work with, who are leaders will be a lot more respectful because those folks are doing such great work. Yeah. It's just a mind Important. shift. And that's yeah. like a big part of why I wanted to start this and, and share these stories is that to add some transparency, because often yep. sometimes judgment or assumptions from society or from people just comes from lack of knowledge or lack of like, yes. what does yep. teacher training look like? What does their day look like? What are what's their inspiration and heart and soul why they're in it because I think there's also sometimes this stigma of um I hate this stigma too but that teachers are just in it because they didn't get to do what they really wanted to do couldn't make it right they couldn't make it in something else so they're just stuck in this thing and I'm like that's not true maybe for like a small amount of people and they don't stay in it long but it's generally these people like yourself these conversations I've been having that really are inspired and felt, you know, this is, a, this is something I'm called to do. Um, and kind of leading into like this time now that we're talking about mm-hmm. with how things have changed and how we view teachers. Do you think the pandemic, like I often use this as, and I don't know exactly where you were in your career, or what you're mm-hmm. doing now during the pandemic. So you could talk a little bit about that. Do you, do, do you think this time is a shift in this, you know, way of maybe we will view education and teachers and, and open up to like a new mindset. I'll tell you this. And I think Jackie, this is why you've been so amazing to me and why I think I gravitated towards you. Cause I, I, I was really uh, loving what you were sharing with people. Uh, and I think we have to be careful not to lose this time period because mm-hmm. 
out of the COVID era and out of uh, the Zoom virtual world that we've you kind know, of had to grasp a little bit of, uh, it's a great time for a re resetting, mm. a refocusing of education because there was, I guess it was 2020 for sure. That was a year, it was a year that could have knocked a lot of people out of education for whatever reason, for several reasons. And I think it it probably did. There were people who retired early. There were people who just couldn't get with, there are going to be some changes that are coming because we can't do education the way we have normally done it. But it also, when you have something like that happen, it is a prime opportunity for mm-hmm. change. And I think we're, we're still in part of that window and we need to be careful that we don't lose the window to try to go back to where things were before because before there were some some issues and I could draw attention to some of them that weren't quite right for multiple reasons for different populations of the of the that weren't being successful all of that mm-hmm. and and so it's like this gives us or has given us an opportunity to look at education from a different standpoint to look at the people who are who are providing education services for our kids have a different standpoint and to kind of repurpose or or reevaluate or reset uh to make things better because yeah. we always try to improve right I, you know i was thinking of something somebody said the other day uh somewhere and they said i should always be about improving whether it's reading whether it's taking a course whether it's doing whatever to improve myself until my last days mm-hmm. and i like that philosophy because I think it keeps you sharp. It keeps you, uh, you purposeful. I think we all need a purpose in life. Yeah. And one of the things that teachers do is to help you connect with your purpose. What is it that you're gifted for? What is, is it that you really do well? Mm. Uh, it may be teaching. It may not be. But whatever it is, I'm going to help you set that course if I'm a really good educator. And then, you know, it's a small, it's a small token of gratitude when you see that that person has latch the hold of that but i mean that's really what mm-hmm. I, I what having the calling is about it's like getting people to the to their sweet spot getting them there and then looking for the next one who's up who's up who's up next who's that's like that being at bat who's up yeah. next so um and then you continue to go on from it's all like, almost like from glory to glory you get you go on from the next one to the next one and it just kind of keeps you motivated keeps you excited when you see an educator who's like been in the field for 60 years, 60 years, 40 years, but they're still excited about the next school year or the next school day, you know, that's what's motivating them to get to the next thing. Cause mm-hmm. they've, they've inspired or encouraged a lot of folks and they're not, they're not done yet. And, and neither are we. <laughs> yeah. I really agree. Like, I don't want to lose this window either. Like yeah. everyone's like, yeah pandemic's over, COVID's over, let's just get back to normal or get back to like what we were doing in 2019. And I'm like, it sounded like good at the the time where things were really bad. You're just, just make it stop. Like I just, year three, make it stop (laughs) kind of thing. But if we don't use this window, this opportunity of evaluating, reevaluating all of our systems, right? Right, Right. Um, all of our systems. Doing it in a way with real purpose and like being really conscious about it you know not just like putting band-aids on things we don't want it that's all we've been doing is putting band-aids on in education in our justice system in everything 
And I was just thinking about this the other day, and it makes me think of this window of time. Yes. So, and I teach social sciences. So we talk about eras, right? Mm -hmm. So we went from, there's so many eras. If you go back to like, you know, even prehistory, I Mm -hmm. think the pandemic is not just like more technology, just more scientific thought. I really see it as an awakening. Like it's almost like a Renaissance, like a different, like a neo-Renaissance age. And I Mm might've read this somewhere too. So I'm not like coining this. Um, And if I were to call it something, it's like the consciousness age. Mm -hmm. So we have to keep moving higher and higher, right? Because we are growing from this time, but our school system is still in the industrial age but the band-aids are information technology. Mm-hmm, Just keep mm-hmm. like adding Just stuff. Just keep adding them on. Just stacking those, stacking those. Yeah, no. the whole system is still like kind of factory style. Like classes, yeah. classes, classes. Right. Do right. this, do this worker bee. You're going to go into this profession, blah, blah, blah. Like we're like robots kind of. So right. if we're moving into, we have this window of opportunity and we're moving into this new age of kind of like questioning, like purpose, what am I here mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. What do I enjoy? What do I value? Mm-hmm. Then education has to be there. Like we it's have gotta to be there. System where we're it really, inspiring kids. It really needs to be at the forefront if you yes. want to be frank about it, to to inspire all these other things that are that are happening around us. Yeah. 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 So like kind of my last part I was getting into is like, is there then you've been in the administrator level? So I'm sure mm-hmm. you have things that you have seen that definitely need to be changed. Like what are some of those Mm -hmm. key areas in education that you think are like, this needs to be changed or this needs to be improved, or we need to do this differently or like ideas for that kind of reform in education. Well, you know, I, you know, I could pull out some things specifically and I know people don't like testing and I know there's a, there is a benefit to testing, but it's like, if it's the use, use the, 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 analogy or example of a of band-aids on top of band-aids really and if we continue to do what we're doing i don't i you know i can i'm already seeing results of that and we can Mm -hmm. see results of things so you have the test but then you also have some some flexibility i'll I'll tell you what happened probably in 2020 and i was not there because i was somewhat out of the school systems by that time but I'm almost certain what I saw from the outside was that now people had to go back and wing some things that they didn't really know if they could do or not. And some of it was technological, but a lot of it was some other things that that we've forgotten uh, in terms of maybe relationships, in terms of just mm-hmm. picking up a phone or going somewhere to, to, to be with someone because you knew that they weren't going to get it any other way unless they had a one-on-one. And so it's it's like, now, if we're going to change this this way the system works, we have to look at all the avenues. I think you said something about, uh, you know, it, you could talk about, and I, I know from an administrative standpoint, we was talking about it was the from high school to college route, right? But again, we talk about there are kids who are not college ready or college bound or this right. is not their their career path, the best path for them to go. Uh, and so what's the success route for them? And then to be able to, to, to share that and not have some kind of condemnation that you're going and you get your, 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 your 
almost scatter gun. If I can, I won't hate use a gun analogy, but right. you're almost scatter shooting to where you have this range of things that they can do as opposed mm -hmm. to just one shot, one stop. Right, right. Uh, which, which, if you look at time and education in any uh, aspect of it, a one stop, one sh one shot kind of a deal is never going to work for all of the mass population. Some kids are going to get it, but then there's going to be a, a huge number of folks who are not going to be able to meet those yeah. qualifications or meet that criteria. And then what happens to them? So mm -hmm. you have to have be a little bit more open. I'd love, I'll throw this one at you, and it's a specific one. I'd love to see where counselors can go back to counseling mm -hmm. and really counsel. And then you have somebody else who's doing the testing and the other pieces yes. that are important. But counselors have to counsel, right? Because yeah. uh, there are homes where parents and other generations have no idea what it's going to take to get to this next piece. But and if you don't have the counselors that are really connected and have the time to spend time with students, then what happens? Then they try to figure it out. And a lot of times from what I'm seeing, from what the research is saying, from what the even the universities are saying, because they're, they're at front end, that first freshman deal, even with all the things they have to try to help freshmen uh, acclimate, mm -hmm. it's not successful. If you're losing 20, 30, 40% of your, your coming in population, that's, to mm. me, that's not successful. No. Successful to me yeah. is 90 and above or 95 and above, or really maybe you should say 99.9 right. uh, and above. And so, uh, yeah, we're not being successful, but those are a couple of things I can think of right off the top of my head. Yeah. And this is such a need in schools. Like I talk about this often that we just don't have a, enough counselors in schools, like where right. you need truly mental health workers in schools, just like we could talk about like the, you know, policing and justice system. You need mental health care workers right. working with right. police officers and everything. Like you need those people in all of these areas of society because people need support and they need it. And it right. can't fall on all of the teacher's plate or an advisor role plate that has to be like, if, if a student looks like they're not doing well, they need to have that time with that mm -hmm. counselor. And if the counselor is busy or there's not enough, like that's how students fall through the cracks. And let me, let me throw this yeah. in real quick while I'm thinking about it. So, you, so what you said, <laughs> and I know we're, we're talking about something that will take resources and some other things to, to make it happen. But I just recently worked with a um, juvenile um, facility a mm -hmm. uh, correctional facility for juveniles up to 17. And they had, and here, here was the disparity, but it, it was like, this is what we need to have at the schools and not when they fall through the cracks yeah. and they're already in this downward spiral. They had for, our numbers were about 114 students, but we probably had about 300 or so professionals who came to that building Mm -hmm. on a weekly basis now look at that almost three to one wow. and it was because of the critical needs that those students had right mm -hmm. but aren't they as they're at least as critical when they're in the regular school system yeah. so you don't have the 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 people but look at what happens when you don't have the people and then if you don't do even a mm -hmm. good job in that situation then the next spiral is an, 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 an incarcerated 
lifestyle systematic kind of a deal, which is not mm-hmm. preferable. So it's like you have to do it before we get to that point, because if you don't do it before you get to that point, that's where you're going to be, where those kids are going to be, because they yeah. weren't. And there were there were kids who were amazing kids, but you just had to plug them in. Somebody missed the boat. Uh, somebody lost it. Oh, I'll go back to my uh, uh, I'll go back to the, that that gentleman that I talked about who who I, I kind of role model myself after and. One of his big deals was uh, prison ministry. He was mm-hmm. he was in the prisons, and one of the things that he would say, and I have an article, I have an article up here because I can look at him every day, and he's he's praying through the bars with a with a gentleman, but mm-hmm. he's also going in there and he's talking life stuff to them. And he's he, he one of his statements was there are a lot of boys in jail because they didn't yeah. have a dad, they didn't have a role model, they didn't have a figure to follow, and he lifetime doing that along with his regular role of an administrator teacher professor so i mean it's that kind of a Mm. that you get when you have someone who's committed to making a difference for people yeah and we have the whole um you know you hear it the school to prison pipeline in our country and it's because our and i'm not saying we're the only country but there are a lot of other countries like i could think of like Scandinavian countries in Europe that do a much better job at investing in education and just other places where college is free and like schools like have resources like there's definitely places that are supposedly on our you know level of country status and economy that do it way better than we do it and we have a culture of reaction in this country we invest in reaction we don't invest in prevention like we have probably more money that goes into the prison system than in schools we do we We do do. i I think i mean it's i think someone's when doc is very documented that we do we spend more dollars per person yeah on people who have been incarcerated we're talking about juvenile and and the the adult uh folks than uh anything that happens at our our other levels so it's, it's amazing that we would do that, but you're right. But look at that, that feeds into being reactive as opposed to being proactive. Right. And we need, so you have to put the money into the foundational programs like healthcare and schools and the justice system and whatnot to make it work for people to then prevent people from being in those really dire situations and juveniles that end up in those, those places, many of them, it's because they don't have support. They don't have a support support. system and they they are, their brains are still developing like rapidly in their teenage years. They don't have the way to reason like you do as an adult. Like you just don't like it's, it's biology. Like they need (laughs) to have support and we should be investing in having more of those support systems in schools. And now look, that's great. They have it in the, the, the juvenile center, but they should be in schools as well because they follow through the cracks. They, they have, and you just so, this is something to throw in with what I've said and, and what we both are saying at the front end, the foundational end, which is like kindergarten and the early elementary levels mm-hmm. and, and all the things you need to do that. I know we've thrown some money at that. I know there's Head Start programs mm-hmm. and programs like that, but I also know that the elementary schools, and I, and I don't know if I can say this, if I don't have all the data, but I know from past times, I know that those were the poor, most most lowest paid positions oh, yeah. at, the, 
at the yeah. upper levels, there are higher paid positions. And we've already talked about how difficult it is to be an elementary teacher, yes. right? And I yeah. haven't even started about, because uh, I was, I, I didn't do preschool and I did not do pre-K. I started from K-12 up because I started out as a physical education teacher. So I saw all the levels. You saw all of them, yeah. I saw all of them. And I know how hard it was for me to, to keep my kindergartners on task. It was a joy. <laughs> it was a joy when they did, but it was tough. I knew that I was not my sweet spot. But yeah. hey, so I only bring that up because I, I feel like if you want great people at those levels to do the yes. foundational stuff and to have it, you're going to have to be able to, to resource them and pay them the adequate wages that they need. Yeah. And maybe even, and, and this is being brunt about it, but maybe even more so than at yeah. the at the at the back end, which is where I think the the salaries are the most. I I know I was a principal, so I know what the salaries were at the top end at the high school levels, and that's great. But I also know that at that bottom end, mm -hmm. where the critical pieces are already happening and where things are happening that they're going to set their their on, on course for life. They've done the data. Uh, if we don't do it down there, sometimes by the time we're at middle school or for sure high school. It's almost too late. I know. And yeah. I would love to see a little bit more of that type of thing. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll give you, for instance, because you asked me about administration. Mm -hmm. And I remember how how one district, I won't expose that district, but how they did. And, and I think I'm using this example because I think it's happened in a lot of places where the best principals, the best leaders, and leaders are important. This is a real good, important part of this. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> where if they started out at elementary where they put them, they would move them up to high school for several reasons. Again, the pay is better there. The opportunities to go into central administration where the pay mm -hmm. is maybe even better. But maybe there's a reverse <laughs> thinking mm -hmm. and we're in that reset where if foundationally I need to have my best people at that level and they really, really are good because let me let me just share this. I'll, I'll beat this one into the ground because I, I talk about leadership in my motivational stuff. And I and I taught leadership at the higher ed levels. Leadership is so important, whether it's a restaurant or whether it's a whatever. If your leader is bad, man, everything else can mm -hmm. go to pot. If you've got a great leader, <laughs> and you have a tough school system or tough uh, urban school or whatever, wherever mm -hmm. the school is. And you've got a great leader. You got a chance. You got a really good chance of having a great school. I don't mm -hmm. care what else is happening. So maybe, maybe I should be beating this drum, and that is to have those great leaders down at those at those lower levels and yeah. really pumping those schools up and getting there, taking care of great educators like you and doing the things that they need to do to promote great education and 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 there are plenty yeah. of things that could go with that, but yeah, yeah. Everything starts at the foundation and everything starts at the foundational level. I know I got a great foundation from my mom and dad. And then yeah. from those, those early teachers, if I don't have that, I don't know where I'm going to be, where mm -hmm. I would be today. Mm -hmm. yeah. So put the money in the support system, particularly in elementary schools. Yes, so those kids have everything they need to feel supported. And then they can fully develop as and they go through. they can through. fully develop as they, as yeah. they, as they I develop. Definitely. But well, salaries across the board need to be up. I know yes. there's something yeah. that was just proposed by a congresswoman um, recently of minimum wage would be $60,000 for teachers, mm -hmm. like across the country. 
Mm-hmm. That also looks different in each state. Like, Correct. So I think it needs to be tiered depending right. on where that right. status is in each. Right. But I definitely think there needs to be like a huge bump increase with the minimum in each state across the board. Right. And I think they do need to, they need to put that money more into those elementary schools and oh, there's yes. teacher salaries. Yeah. I'm I mean, telling you, right. like my job's hard. <laughs> I see what they do. I have friends who are elementary school teachers. I'm like, I could not do your job. Like I could, I would come home and just go right to bed. Like, I don't think I could even like talk to my husband. I'd be like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do anymore. But, like, but Hey, but that, but you know, you're calling. And yeah. I think that's the, a, a real important part of it as you, as you process. So I'll go back to the higher ed thing. Cause when, as we're processing teachers and, and trying to get teachers ready for, uh, for going into the schools and, and, and then deciding the pathway and whatnot to do a better job even at that because the higher ed people yeah. can say hey you know what and, and and especially with mentors and and teachers professors that go a little bit above and beyond I'm saying above and beyond but really this is where it needs to be at, at the grassroots level yeah that they need to be able to help guide people to their calling and oh I, I thought about this so when so so at both of my first two schools that I attended, uh, especially with James Madison was my undergrad school. I thought they had a really, really good teacher uh, program, teacher Mm. development program. Uh, I know there were probably some issues, but I thought they did a good job of preparing me. They prepped me because they they not only did the teacher, uh, student teacher deal, but they had a a pre- deal before that mm-hmm. so that if you got to that point and you felt like hey yeah. this is not for me then I, I can retract myself or do something else but I think there's some things that need to be done there in terms yeah. of uh, teacher preparation and bringing folks in whether it's through the the regular course or whether it's through a later prep deal where you have someone who's like that that gentleman that came in from uh corporate America mm-hmm. you bring that person in and you then you just help them decide where am I best let me get a chance. Let me get a shot at being able to work yeah. with that group. Yeah. Is that the group that I'm, I'm, I'm set right, in, right. in course for? Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. I, you need to I be in the classroom the a lot earlier. Like my yeah. university yeah. did something similar. I went to Westchester university in Pennsylvania and my junior year, I think by junior year, I was in the classroom observing right. meeting right. with teachers getting a feel. And I think I had to go to various levels. So my certification was seven through 12. So I had to do middle and high school. And then when I student taught, they placed me, um, which I think there should be choice, but they placed me in middle school, which is fine Uh because I ended up teaching Uh middle school then Uh after college. Um, And I liked middle school too, as well. I don't know if I could do it now, but um, I'm glad I had the opportunity to do both middle and upper school. Yes. And yeah, so I think you need, you know, Going back to also the universities and the teacher preparation programs, they really need to be like in the classroom early on and they like need to seeing be in it. There. They need to be there yeah. very early. As and early as we teachers. put them in there. Yeah. 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 You, you, you mentioned at least by the junior year, yeah. but I would even go oh, yeah, as far to say to a little bit earlier than that, maybe not yes. as a freshman, but maybe sophomore, by the sophomore yeah. year, yeah. they're in and they're doing some things and they're connecting with teachers and they're getting a chance to talk yeah. and have real conversations and then also witnessing, oh, I know I would be great at the, oh no, I don't, this yeah. is not my age group. I cannot yeah. do, I, like we just said about right. kindergarten. So yes, yeah. Right, where are the various roles that you could yeah. feel out what is like the right fit for you? Because most people say, I didn't know what to do until I actually got in the classroom. So give them more time in the classroom. I believe that. 
Yeah. You know, who was it? Somebody said, you know, even McDonald's, <laughs> mm-hmm. McDonald's, they won't, they will not throw you into a situation when you first start there. You have to shadow people and you have to mm-hmm. do all this other stuff. And you think about what happens sometimes when some teacher prep and then even once the, that you you gain your degree and you're, you're applying for a job and you're thrown in. And sometimes yeah. I hate to say this, Jackie, but sometimes you're thrown into the toughest situation yeah. because yeah. everyone who's really good has had their choice. So they've moved right. up. They've got great classes. They've got this. Right. But then you bring in someone who is green or brand new yeah. and they're in a classroom with some kids that maybe some other folks in that building did not desire. They have that class. Right. Now they've got to make things happen. And they've also, oh yeah, oh, by the way, we have a standard standardized test that you have to meet these criteria. And yeah. if you don't, this is what's going to happen to you. Yeah, the pressure. So, it's crazy. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. So you do all of that and then you bring these people in. There's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's going to take more time. It's going to take that big word intentionality mm-hmm. that we do things and we do it with a purpose and we we, we protect our people because they're the companies that are Fortune 500 and above they, their criteria that they do, that they share with people, is not just making a bunch of money, right. although they're going to make a bunch of money if they do the right things. Yeah. And then they get into this criteria about why are they so good? Well, they do this, this, and this for their for their people, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing for education. We have to do a better job. And here's our reset. We can do a better job. Retention, and, too. It helps yes, to retain. And retention. Retention is huge. I think also teachers need to, once it's like even by year two or so forth, start giving them opportunities for leadership, start giving them opportunities to initiate a program in a school, make mm-hmm. them feel like there is, they're part of that community. And they're not just being like, this is what you teach this is what you do. These are the tests right. that you have to give. That's right. And Jackie, that's it. You just, you just hit on something. I have to share this. So one of the things that kept me in that, that first five-year window, is kind of like college mm-hmm. has the first two-year window. And then people are stopping out and dropping out. Well, in right. teaching, you know this, it's been well-documented. First five years, if they don't make it through that first five, yeah. they don't make it through, they don't make it. And to have something good along with something tough or someone mm-hmm. to guide them, I had it and I, and I got it in a in a funny roundabout way. So I, there was always something that I could look forward to in my first mm-hmm. five years. So it was tough the first five years and I didn't always have great leaders, not gonna call them under the rug, but I didn't always have great and so am I, and I, I, I can remember uh, one year I had 14 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe 14 by the time I walked to get my food, 15 minutes for, for lunch. And I made it work. Now, I don't yeah. know how I did. I'm looking back, I was 23. I guess I was just eager. Something, right, right. I made it work. Now but we would be taking the Tums afterwards because you'd have indigestion. We doing, yeah, we'd be doing something. But uh, so, but having something to look forward to yeah. within that school day that kept me motivating the five. And then after the five years, that's when I decided I need to do more. Mm-hmm. And I have this quick story. Uh, I, I thought I was going to go into law enforcement because I thought, I don't know that this is really where I'm supposed to be. The guy said to me, he said real quick, and this is on the third interview because there are four step levels to, to getting in. And mm-hmm. I was almost there. Right. But he said, Everybody can't do what you do. And it was my epiphany. Mm. And I walked back out of there and I never came back. I had a formal wow. interview set up, didn't do it. And I decided the next step for me was getting my master's degree because I needed to know, know more about what I did, right, which right. was the best thing that ever happened to me. That caused mm. me to go to Texas and mm. a lot of other things. So 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just opportunities um, yes. so that you feel inspired to stay in it and grow. Yes. Like I think there could yes. be life for teachers. Like I'm on my 17th year in the classroom, but I've also moved around and I've been in Correct. public charter private schools in many different yes. states. So I've explored a lot of different options. I've taught every grade from seventh to 12th in so many different subjects from Hawaiian history to now AP right. psychology. So like you I keep have, it fresh. You, you, have, yeah. you have a great background. Same thing. I've done public, yep. private, uh, two years with a private school. I had a charter school that I was at the principal at. Uh, and then I had this last little bit had the juvenile correction center yeah, deal. Yeah, and yeah. so uh, it helps in, in, in college undergrad, graduate, and even doctoral people. So it's given me an idea of what needs to happen, where the pieces don't connect, because they don't sometimes, and where they should connect. It really just helps me to have a better overall vision of what education is all about. Well, I love what you're doing, Calvin. I love being connected with you. This has been so great to have you on The Teacher Story. You are such a motivator. Um, and I love hearing about the speeches that you give at various like universities and organizations and can't wait to see more in 2023, the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for being on the show. And if you you, want to let our listeners know, and I'll put this information in my show notes, like where they could find you or connect with you or learn more about you. Well, easy. Uh, my website is calvinlawrencespeaks.net and, but I'm, I'm more excited about collaborating with you i'm looking forward to doing things in 2023 i I feel like this is the year you're gonna really take off although you've already taken off (laughs) you're even gonna inspire to higher and greater heights so i'm looking forward to supporting you however i can thank you so much and we will definitely be collaborating more in 2023 so thank you again thank you you too bye (laughs) bye Thank you for listening to The Teacher's Story. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and leave a comment. All reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices. 